This is gonna hurt. It's time, it's time for the Suffering, for the suffering Podcast. podcast. When you move forward, fearing failure means that you're destined to stagnate in the same place forever. No strategy ever goes 100% as planned. The twists and turns along the road to success is long, windy, and treacherous. That journey is painful and difficult. With each new step, there's a voice over your shoulder calling out, why don't you just quit? Or is there an easier road if you turn the other way? The only absolute way to not reach your goals is to give up. The resilience to keep going is reserved for those who believe they are never out of the fight. To keep moving forward, no matter how many times you get knocked down. Albert Einstein writes, It's not that I'm so smart, it's just that I stay with problems longer. I'm Kevin Donaldson here with Mike Felice, and welcome to The Suffering Podcast. If you're a fan of overcoming adversity and overcoming suffering, then we're for you because that's what we do here and that's the stories we highlight. So do me a favor, hit that like button, subscribe to the channel, please comment, and now you can join. Don't forget to ring the bell so you can get notified of all of our new content and follow us on all social media so you can find out what we're up to. On tonight's episode of The Suffering Podcast, this is one I've been waiting for for quite a while because he's one of my newest recent friends who I've become connected with, and that's Paul Martino, to discuss the suffering of success. But it wasn't always that way for Paul. And we're going to get into it. And Paul, I want to thank you too, because Kevin needs as many friends as he could get. <laughs> I'll pick them up wherever I can, because I lose them faster than I can get them. Before we get into anything, let's throw a big shout out to our marquee sponsor. That's Toyota of Hackensack. We don't trust anybody as police, but we do trust them. So go to toyotahackensack.com and let them find you a car. By the way, somebody came up to me the other day and they said, so Toyota, you don't trust anybody, but you do trust Toyota of Hackensack. Because apparently I say the same damn thing every single time. Every week. So, Paul, each week we take a question from our audience. This one comes from Soupy underscores Dales. I guess that's like Soupy Sales. What's your, we're coming to the end of the year. By the time this this show airs, it's going to be pretty much the close of season three of the Suffering Podcast and the beginning of season four. So, what's your number one goal for this year, 2024? First, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on the show. Um, you know, it's something that I've, had many goals and I've accomplished them. And 2024 is really new territory for me. I just sold my company and I am looking for my new goal. And for me, podcasting, it's it's really just to show the best version of myself, really to be the best version of myself. What does that look like for you? The best version of yourself? You know, a lot of times for me, I have, um, employees and, and, and family and people and things. And I forget about me. What is, what's the me look like retirement? You know, um, everybody said you should retire and do this and this and this. And when I really sat down to look at it, it didn't fit me. So I was trying to fit myself into something I wasn't. And then I came to the conclusion to just be the best version of me. What does that mean? If I want to go fishing, I'll fish. If I want to work hard, I'll work hard. Want to hug my kids? I'll hug my kids. If I want to lay in bed all day, I'll lay in bed I'm all not day. Not lay in bed all day, <laughs> but guilt free. You know, I don't want the guilt. I don't want that back and forth. Should I? Could I? Would I? You know, just to be able to be in the moment and enjoy that moment for what it is. You know, it, it's funny. We beat ourselves up every day. You know, trying to get ahead, trying to do this, trying to whether it's make more money, do more, and you never really sit back and look at yourself and your your inner happiness. No, it, we're groomed that way. Like, you know, when I think about things and. 
look at over all the years I've, I've been in this, I've been doing business 35 years in this business. But the one thing I learned is that the thoughts create the words, the words create the actions, the actions become your habit and the habit becomes your character. I made myself this, my thoughts every day, my actions every day created who I am. Yeah. It became, but it's a good and bad thing. You know, like I have a lot of good traits that I did with that, but I also have you know, some bad ones. So it, it wears you down. It, it wears you down because, you know, as you start getting older, you start realizing what's important. You make goals, you meet goals. To be true to yourself is tough. They so don't like, teach you that. But like being a business owner, I'm sure you have a lot of employees who have families and who have kids, and now you're looking out for them. You know, it's, it's not <clears> only about you. It's well, about your, your company family. Well, that's what happens. Yeah. It becomes more about everybody else and less about you. Yeah. And now I'm at the point where I did take care of everybody else. I mentored them. I trained them. And I always believe the only way to keep it is to give it away. I don't care if it's money, time, sobriety, whatever it is. And I've given that to them. But as I get older, my dad's still alive. He's 87. God bless. God bless. Him. And um, he's overcome so many obstacles. About six months ago, they gave him a week to live. And he made a full recovery. He's a miracle man but it's precious. I could buy anything I want. I have the money, but I can't buy time. Yeah. So the, I was just watching that Sylvester Stallone documentary on Netflix and it's a fantastic documentary. He said something that was so profound and it's coming from Sylvester Stallone, who you think is, is an idiot, but he's really not. He's, he's actually a pretty intelligent guy. He says, life is addition up until about the age of 40. And then it's all subtraction. You start to, uh-huh. lo- you start, your kids move out. You know, you're, you start to lose friends, you lose your parents, you lose this, you lose this. And, you know, but it, you're just trying to hang on to what you've, what the addition was in the first 40 years of your life. You know, the second, the, the back nine of your life. I don't know. I, I, that struck me when he said that. That that really is deep and it's big. And that's why I say, you know, shows like this and feeling the way I feel about life um, and about giving it back, it adds to my life. You know, when you're able to help somebody or you say something that somebody said, wow, you know, that I get it. They had that aha moment that keeps you motivated. You know, I don't want to be that guy to just drive and blow away and wind up on a golf course. And some, there's more to life than that, you right. know, and, and the key is to give it away and be part of, and this show for me, I'm not a speaker. Okay. I, I haven't spoken in years since AA in my home group and and I've always wanted to, like, I think I have a great story to share with people. I know somebody's light will go on, not maybe everybody, but there will be somebody. And if I can help somebody, I did a good thing. Well, I, that's why we do this show. Just think if your story reaches one person, then it's all worth you it. You did your job. You try to cast that wide net, trying to catch that <clears throat> one fish that needs it the most. Mike, what do you think? You know, like I said, I, I like Paul, so it, it's just really finding that inner happiness, you know, Going through what we've been through, you, you never really have. You're always looking out for other people and helping other people. I just want to, I want to be secure in myself. You know, next year that's that's one thing I want to try to do. Just realize who I am and what I am. Realize what I'm not, and just take every day as it comes. Mine sort of piggybacks on yours, believe it or not. And I thought mine piggybacked on Paul's. So we're yeah, we're, we're piggybacking on each other. Roundtable discussion. We're, <laughs> um, there are times in our life, we just spoke about this before we went on air. There are times in your life where your your ego gets too big and you don't even realize it's happening. It kind of like creeps up on you like a, like a like a specter in the night. And your ego gets so big and then something needs to humble you to bring you back down to reality. Um, there are times when I'm 
very humble. And then there's times when my ego gets out of control. Um, so my goal for 2024 is to check my ego, to have somebody near me when, tell me when you, you, you know, you're a little out of control, your ego's a little bit too big. Um, it's, I'm a work in progress. I think we all are works, works in progress. Um, and I'll never stop working on myself. Um, you, know, you, you think at our age, we'd fine tune it by now. No. <laughs> no, no, because here's what's happening. It's like turning, it's like trying to reach the, the, the perfect level of music, right? You go up and up. That sounds pretty good. Maybe a little bit more, maybe a little bit more. And before you know it, you can't hear and you got to turn it down again and well, start all over. The, the funny thing for me, I was at a flea market with my nephew and I see this girl and she painted these little signs and this one jumped at me. And everybody must have heard this before. Life is a journey, not a destination. So I always strive to be perfect. I always strive to be the best version of Paul. But in that journey of always looking for what's wrong, I forgot about what's right. So I'm always faulting myself. And then one day, and recently, I guess, Kevin, probably the, the last time I saw you, I really started thinking because, you know, you always want to say something profound and do all this stuff and you know, the only profound thing I can honestly say for myself is that I'm out of a rehab and I, January 10th, I celebrated 35 years. God bless. Congratulations. So success is how you see yourself. It's not your money. It's not your things. It's not what you do. It's how you see yourself. And, and, you know, I, I wanted to give back to the audience, you know, something profound to take away. But when I look at myself, that is about the most profound thing that I could talk about. But when it came to ego, I realized that in looking to get better, I never stopped to smell the roses. So that's when retirement came in. It really would. So for me, it was the best version of me for that. And um, I lost my ego a long time ago in the rehab. Um, they humbled me. Um, yeah, you know when I went to, when I went to rehab, your ego gets dropped as soon oh, as they make you spread bend over and spread your cheeks. Make sure I, you're not smuggling anything in. That 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 was it. You know and. <laughs> I always said in the, you know, when I got out of the rehab and, and I started working the program, I always said, you need to know your demons so you know how to do battle with them. And your demons are whatever is creating, you know, and, and when I really thought about it, those demons are so important in your life. And I said to myself, rather than fight them, I embrace them. I stopped the battle. Dude, you, you've read our mission statement, correct? <clears throat> No, I'm well, sorry. You, pre I, you pretty I, much, you pretty much just said it. You know, you, you have to embrace your suffering because without suffering, you will never know anything great in this life. Well, that pain, <clears throat> that pain's necessary because it sucks and nobody mm -hmm. wants to be there. You're not going to hold your hand on a fire. And it grounds you. You're going to figure a way. To... Not that I embrace pain. I'm not afraid of it. Mm -hmm. It doesn't scare me anymore. And again, when you talk about finding yourself, I really like myself. I've worked hard at understanding that all of those demons that were there were there. So here's an example. This is going to be a little weird. I always loved the mafia movies, the mafia guys. I grew up in Bloomfield. I was that, you know, a wannabe wise guy kid. Cruising through Brookdale Park. <laughs> you were there. <laughs> now I know why you look familiar. But the key to all of that was that, you know, when, when I really started to look at it, Oh, I lost my train. I lost my train of thought, you son of a gun. Well, tell us where you grew up. So you said yeah, you grew well, up in Bloomfield. I grew up in Bloomfield, not in far Bloomfield. from Brookdale Park. So what, what, what was the atmosphere like in, Bro in Bloomfield at the time? 
You know, I, I just want to start with my family because a lot of people blame their family for things that happened. You know, it was my dad did this, my mom did that. I had a great family life. I have um, two brothers and a sister. I have my mom and dad. We had a dog. We lived in Bloomfield. My house was 15 feet wide by 45 feet long. We had one bedroom till my sister came. So we remodeled that in addition. But all of that was happy days, normal. I, don't, I, I cannot pinpoint. I never got hit. You know, I got punished and I, I managed to manipulate my way out of that. But it was just a good, the neighborhood, you know, when you went outside, whoever was outside was your friend. You know, you learned to make friends easy. You learned to adapt to whatever it was. Um, so yeah, growing up was really good. Um, I was always the biggest, the fastest, the most athletic, um, eighth grade. I was five eleven, 185 pounds shaving almost every other day. So it came easy to you came easy. And that's the worst thing possible when it comes easy to a kid and they didn't have to work for it. Yep. Because yep. you just squander it. You do, you know, and I won every event. If you came in second place, you were high-fiving yourself, you know? And, and what happened is because I was big and I did a lot of these things, like the, the older kids that would play, you know, here I am, maybe 12 years old. These kids were maybe 17, 18 years old, hanging out. The ball would go up on the roof and I would scale the drain pipe and go up to the roof. Wow, that kid's cool. So I became like a mascot to them. There's where the trouble started. There's where the ego started. There's where the need to be accepted, you know? So I shied away from my friends, hung out with these older guys who were already doing things that I didn't even know existed. And now you're an even bigger hero to the kids your own age because you're the kid hanging out with the older with the guys. older kids. Yeah. And it feeds the ego. It feeds the ego big time. So with that big ego, I did a lot of things, you know, they would ride sissy bike wheelies and, and they were so cool. I mean, I idolized these guys. In looking back, and I never said this out in public. I've never said this to anybody. I said it one time in the rehab. But the most traumatizing thing, if I were to say, what was a defining moment in your life that led you to be where you were in those problems was we were hanging out. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's the holiday season. Everybody's looking for the perfect gift. The way that I give gifts is I give the gift of time. It's the one thing they're not making any more of. Okay, everybody always worries about how much money they're going to spend on gifts and everything. It's got to be something that's meaningful and helpful to that person. You know the one person that always gets denied a gift? And that's ourselves. We never look out for ourselves. You know, and, and the best way to get some help for yourself is to make sure you're taking care of your mental health. Therapy has been such a huge part of my life for the last 10 years, and I have a feeling it's going to continue to be for the rest of my life. You know, we, we both went through traumatic incidents, and therapy's been a big part of our life, and it probably will be for the rest of our lives. You know, sometimes you think you know everything about yourself, but there's professionals out there that know more about your brain than you, than you know yourself. So if you're thinking of giving therapy a shot, there's no better one out there than BetterHelp. It's entirely online, it's convenient, and flexible to your schedule. So just go online, fill out a brief questionnaire, and you get matched with a licensed therapist. And at any time, if you need to see a different therapist, you can go to a different therapist at no extra cost. In the season of giving, give yourself what you need with BetterHelp. Go to BetterHelp.com suffering for 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash suffering. At the school, and all the kids were there, and I was up on top of the step. There were about seven steps. And the ringleader of those kids, they were, you know, we're joking around, horsing around, pulls my pants down, pulls my pants down. 
I'm 12 years old. Nowadays, that's sexual assault. <clears throat> you got pants. Right now, I have goosebumps up and down my spine because I remember that moment like it was yesterday. I was humiliated. I was embarrassed. I couldn't tell anybody. So I didn't go around, you know, so now you want to even feel more important. Like you still search for something else. So that was a, you know, I was 12, my 13th birthday. I kind of like hooked up with these kids again a little bit, you know, and I tried to put that past me. You tried to bury it. You didn't want to acknowledge it. You wanted to feel part of them. My 13th birthday, I took my first two and all, which is a downer, smoked pot and drank. 13 years old. 13, 13 years, years old, old to fit in. Hey, this kid's cool. Here, try this. Not thinking. I didn't know. And so I'm late for my birthday party and I run down the street and I fall and I'm all banged up. And I walk in the house and my mom goes, you look funny. What's wrong with your eyes? And I said, "Ma, I must've had a concussion. I fell in. <laughs> so here I'm master manipulator at 13 years old. So not only did I do that, I got away with it. And then I used all these excuses. So I learned to manipulate systems. Let me ask you a quick question on a side note. You, you have children. We, we all have children. There are things you did at 13 years old that, you know, it seemed normal at the time, seemed like something cool to do at the time. Then all of a sudden there comes a time in your life when you're older and your kids hit 13 years old. Cause my first, I got my first tattoo right here on, I did it with my, did it with a needle and ink, 13 years old. And my son turned 13 and I go, Oh shit. That's, that's an oh shit moment. I go, yeah. Oh shit. He's the same age I was when I did this. What if he does? Like, did you get that with your children? No, I'll tell you why. As I went through my life and I look back, I needed all of those things in my life to make me who I am today. All my screw ups, all my good, well, everything. If I didn't rob that car and hit the fire hydrant and do that, if I didn't get busted in high school, like these are all things that I needed to happen to be here today. I don't interfere with them. So what I do with them is, I believe in thoughts, okay? Thoughts create the words and all that stuff. So I believe in affirmations. What I say for me is true for me, okay? I have three commandments I live by. Desire it wholeheartedly. Believe in it wholeheartedly. And just expect it because it'll happen. So with that being said, I've always had a mindset. Oh, these same kids taught me how to do hand levitation. I don't know if you ever did hand levitation. So Fat Eddie's sitting on the ground. He weighs about 300 pounds. <laughs> And well, listen, they're from Bloomfield and they have nicknames. Fat yeah, so Eddie, you know, everybody's Jimmy got Shoes. Yeah. 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 Got so Fat Eddie's laying on the ground and everybody, mm. there's six of us. One at the feet, one at the head, two on each side. And he does this little mock. I've seen that. Yeah, I've right? done that. So we do. He looks light. He looks as light as a feather. And so he's putting you in a meditative state. It's the end of the day. The sun is going down. You're like that relaxed state. And he puts you through this little mantra. He said, He's as light as a feather on three lift. And we lift. Our eyes are closed. We lift. I open my eyes. I fat edge is about a foot and a half off the ground. Of course, you freak out. You drop them. It's like, oh, my God. That is another defining moment in my life because I realized the power of the mind. So I would go to my friends and say, I'll bet you 10 bucks I could pick that car up and turn it sideways in the street. So I would get behind a car. I'd do that meditation. I'd pick it up. I'd turn it sideways in the street. 13, 14 years old. So now I became that kid. Everybody wanted to fight. He's the, he's the, so that's a whole nother world that yeah. happened. But back to my kids, I give them what I call stress inoculation. Okay. So 
my wife and, and the kids were having issues and she had all girls. She didn't know what boys were like. So I take them to a counselor because I believe in counselor. We're not unique. You know, everybody has a problem. You got to solve it. So we go to a neutral party. Well, the kids wind up attacking me. Dad, you lecture. All you do, everything's a lecture. Every time we're something, you have a better way and blah, blah, blah. So I stop and I'm devastated. And I tell him, I said, boys, I apologize. Your dad's sorry. I never meant it to be like that. The next day I see him, I go, you know what, guys? I want to talk about what happened and, and why I'm the way I am. I said, you're whatever they were, 14, 15 years old. I said, you know shit. You know nothing. You're clueless. You're a blank screen. I said, all your dad tries to do, like when, you're, when you go for a flu shot, they give you a little inoculation to help you have an immunity. I'm trying to give you immunity to learn. You have something to base your decisions on. So this is what I did, and this is what happened. It gives you a reference point. So when you go through your life, I just try to give you these reference points to make your own decision, because I'm not going to be there to tell you. I'm going to let you do what you do. So my wife is Jewish. I'm Catholic. I'm a lousy Catholic. So I said, whoever puts the effort in, we'll raise them like that. So in the Jewish religion, at 13, you become a man. The day my kids were conceived with my wife, I did affirmations with them. The day they were conceived. My angels keep me safe and protected. My mommy and daddy love me. I love and protect my brother. I'm a great athlete. I'm a great student. I'm a great friend. I am a super listener. I could do anything I put my mind to. Peace on earth. I'm in perfect health. Every day and every way, I'm getting better and better and better. I am a great leader. I love and protect my family. I always tell the truth. I enjoy every minute of my life. Number 17 is I will never fart under the covers. I said, someday your wife or girlfriend is going to thank me about that. Dutch oven. So, but we were playing with it, but these things came to me. And, and the, the key, and the last one, this is the, the, the most important one, besides being grateful and they had to say something nice about each other because it was like, daddy's looking at me. Daddy's breathing on me. I said, say something nice about your brother. They had nothing. They were looking in the negative all the time. So what you see is what you're going to get. So Sam is awesome and Matt is cool. The last one was, I will find and live my purpose. Okay. What 13, 14, that actually was before that. What 13 year old is finding and living his purpose. I took one of those topics every night and I would say to them before they went to bed, why is my angels keep me safe and protected? The number one, well, dad, if you think like a victim, you'll be a victim. I said, but if you feel safe and protective, you survive plane crashes, nobody mugs you, you know, What's a good friend? Well, a good friend is when you tell somebody, to, you know, if they're getting in trouble to stop. I go, if they, what happens if they don't stop? You need to tell an adult to keep them safe. I said, what's the difference between a friend and a snitch? Well, a snitch is when you tell on somebody to get yourself out of trouble, Dad, and that's wrong. On their 13th birthday, when they made their bar mitzvah, I made them do that in, in the entire room. And I told my wife, all I want to do is give me my moment. You know when you have that moment and the video's there and the kids are looking at it and it's like, hey, if you're seeing this, I'm not here. Well, I wanted that moment while I was still here. So I made them do this in front of all of their friends and family. There wasn't a dry eye in the place. But what it did is the power of the mind and the power of affirmations and belief. I did it 13 years every night, no matter where I was in the world, traveling and everything. But that's that, how dedicated. That doesn't come out of nowhere. That comes from bad behavior. And I know you're starting off on a bad road. As a child, how bad did it get? Because I know you were probably able to hide under the disguise that, hey, he may be a bad kid, great athlete, star athlete, good at everything. Well, the funny thing is everybody thought I was a good kid. I was a good kid that did bad things. So for me, it was easy to get away with stuff. In, in 
middle school, not middle school. We, we had junior high school. I missed 63 days of school, but I was only late once. Because <laughs> if I was late, I turned around and I went to go shoot pool down at Guys and Dolls, you know, and, and hang out, you know. And my brother, they loved him. My older brother, he was like president of everything in the school and the whole thing. My brother was really good in school. So because I was his brother, I was associated as the good kid. Had my brother been somebody else, I would have been kicked out of school. I used to do that with my biology teacher. I hated biology, but she loved Notre Dame as a nun. She loved Notre Dame. So I, my homework was to watch Notre Dame football and then go talk to her about Notre Dame. Got Master an, manipulator. Got an A. Exactly. Yeah, got an A in that class, though. And I didn't, know shit. didn't know a damn thing about biology, but you knew stats, nope. you knew players, you knew everything. I knew everything. <laughs> so so as, as time went on, like, you know, that, that, that set the basis. And the reason I say that is that, that hand levitation gave me the power of what the mind can do. When you believe, you can do anything. So there's a great saying. It says, if you think you can, you're right. And if you think you can't, you're right. You're right. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Yeah. So the power of the mind, I'm a, I'm a very, very big believer in the power of the mind. Just what you can talk yourself into and what you can talk yourself out of. You ever meet a true hypochondriac? Oh, yeah. A true hypochondriac. Mm-hmm. I must have, yeah, I, I'm getting a cold and all of a sudden, and they truly believe they're getting sick. I think that's what happens when I walk in the studio. Every <laughs> Listen, day. That's why I know words, I'm going to come up here. My nose is going to start running. That, that's does every that's time. why the words are so important. Cause I knew a guy who would say that guy, he's a pain in the ass. He's a pain in the ass. He had hemorrhoids. He really did. He really <laughs> did it, you know? So I watch what you say, you know, now fast forward a little bit. I had a friend whose son, uh, whose brother had leukemia. His dad took him to every place all over the world. He was young. He was, you know, much younger than us. And he found a class called the silver method of mind control. And what they taught him was how to picture Pac-Man. I know this. I, it was written in a book and I can't remember the guy who wrote it, but I read that book. Jose Silva. He was a electrical engineer that developed the system. And it, it, it was a phenomenal class for me. I was 18 when I went into that class. But the reason I say it is you learn the power of the mind. You learn the power of healing. You learn the power of being able to heal others through energy. Like, you know, I'm a big believer in energy. Listen, I'm not religious, but I'm very spiritual. You can call it God. You can call it a higher power. You could call it the universe, but there's something there bigger than us that just keeps water. It, it, it's just, it's just, it's a beautiful thing. It's a depressing life without it. Absolutely. And, and, and we it's, have, it's, a, it's a guideless life without it. Yeah. So we have the power of imagination, you know, um, I don't think turtles have that. I don't, think, uh, you know, I think humans are the only ones with the power of imagination. So for me, learning what they did with sending healing energy, because he healed his son, he pictured Pac-Man eating the cancer cells. And, you know, my dad had lymphoma. Okay. We thought he was dead. It was the first cancer word that I ever knew. And what I did with this class, learning the power of, all right, energy is not created or destroyed. It's just rearranged. Everything's a vibration. Energy is a vibration. When you're awake, your sight, sound, smell. It's a very stressful state. 21 cycles per second. You're all over the place. When you go to sleep, you don't hear, you don't see, you don't, your body and mind go down to 10 to 14 cycles per second. The earth resonates at 10 cycles per second. Animals, babies, it's where you connect. The key is to learn how to connect to the universe, how to clear your mind, lose your ego, lose all that stuff, and just be. Sometimes you listen, sometimes you project. So what I did is I created movies of the mind. If I told you to just close your eyes and picture a California navel orange, you don't even have to close it. You could see it. And then I say, just peel the rind. Feel how thick the rind is as you're peeling it. 
Now open it up. The juice is running down your hands. You can smell it. You can almost taste it. Your mouth can start to water. I do that in my mind. I create a picture. So it's a vision board. It's like uh, in the old movie theaters. I created this vision board, this picture. And all I do is project. Now here's the key. Desire, belief, and expect. If you truly desire it and believe in it, put it up on that board. See it. Live it. That's what helped me get sober. That is the reason why I'm sitting here today, is that vision board, that desire, that belief, that expect drove me. It was crucial. So learning the power of what your mind can do, then learning the power of what you can give. So my dad, I because it's my imagination, I'm able to do anything I want. I put him on a lab table, and I have my chair, and I have everything I want. And I would picture him on the table, and I'd picture his lymph nodes, and I'd wire brush them and I'd put white light on them and I have lasers and I have anything I want. And the last thing I did, the last thing I did is I give my dad a, I give my dad a hug and I see him running up off the table, happy smiling, running down the street. What was it? It was the end result. I didn't worry about how to get there. I looked at the end result. So in my business, I created the same thing. Opportunity could be this close, right next to you, not realized it's gone forever. So I created because it's my imagination, Spider-Man, giant web. So when my gut tells me something, I act on it. It's given me the ability to go beyond my thoughts. So if I look at a roadmap and said, I'm going to go from point A to point B, it may not be the right road for me. So I created this opportunity and I wait for my teachers to come and show me the way. So I have my eye and the end result, I know I'm going to get there. I just don't know how or when, but I'm going to get there. So all these things came into my life to drive me in that direction. Well, so it's a, it's a good point. And before we get back to really how you, you went down real hard, um, first time we ever, well, we, we spoke and you know, like I knew you from just around town and everything, but we were doing a project in my, in my job right by your house. And, and we came out and, and spoke, you pulled up next to me and we just started talking. We just started, and I'm like, I can't even remember what you said, but whatever you said made me get out of my car. Get out of my car. And start to do a jerk off or anything like that? No, No. I I thought I was in trouble. (laughs) I get out of my car, and we start talking. We have like a half-hour conversation. I said, and I don't tell people I work. I I don't tell people like, hey, you know, I I do the show. Check. I, I just don't, especially in my professional life. And I'm like, for some reason, I felt drawn to tell you, hey, listen, I do this show, and I think you'd be right for it. And that's how this, that's the, the fortuitous ma- nature of certain meetings. People are put in your life. I think everything has a meaning. I think everything has a purpose. Um, and that's how it was with you. Now you're going down this bad road in Bloomfield. You're hanging out with bad kids. You're, but you see some, there, there's moments. But let, let's back up. To, I don't think there are any bad roads in Bloomfield. You were going down a bad path. They're all nice, they're all nice so roads some bad field. roads, too. No. But you're going down this bad path. Mm-hmm. And what are we talking about? What, what type of drugs are we talking well, about? Well, you know, and I'm sorry to get off that. Because no, this, no, it's important this, stuff that this you're talking stuff, about. This stuff is, it, it took me a long time to wrap my brain around and accept. You know, but, but going back to the beginning, you know, I, I was doing everything, everything. I, uh, uh, quaaludes. And, you know, I was that guy who... And we're talking what time? What, so I'm in high school. Let's let's now. What, what's now, a year? It's 19. <laughs> Most of the so time I, you can I, ask a guy that you can't ask a woman. I, I graduated in 78. So we're talking about 76, 7, 8, okay. that, around that time period. 
So, you know, drugs were big. Freebasin was big. Cocaine was big. But I knew everybody. I was that guy that, oh, so talk about being accepted. I was that big kid. And these these kids were badass kids. And they come up to me and go, we want you to go in the bar. You got to go in there and get us beer. I'm like, I can't do that. I ain't going to the bar. I'm, I'm 15 years old. They said, you go in, I'm going to kick your ass. I said, all right, tell me what you want. <laughs> so he said, go in and get me a six of bud. So I walk into this little dive joint, reeks of beer. And and I woke up and he goes, can I help you, sir? Oh, sir. sir. Yeah, okay. Uh, I'll have a six of bud. He goes, cans or bottles. I ran back out. I didn't know what to say. <laughs> so, but that was like the start of it. Because now I'm a regular. Now I'm getting everybody beer. Now, I'm, Then by the time I got to high school, I'm a regular all over the place. I'm a regular in the bar. The drugs kicked in from, from when I was little. So by the time I got to high school, the cocaine started and boy, it hooked me. Cocaine was bad. Free basin was even worse. That was the beginning of the end. So through school, one of my, it was my best friend. He got popped and he ratted us all out. His cousin was the narc that was planning in our school. We were too stupid to see it. This kid was good. 19 of us got arrested. 19 of us got arrested. 18 of them got kicked out of school. One kid was able to take his tests and in the basement by himself, that was me. They made a new rule for me. I wasn't expelled. I wasn't suspended. I was excluded. Don't ask me how, and don't ask me why. And there's, you can look it up. I just looked it up a couple of weeks ago because I couldn't believe it was true. So I've always managed. It was like always a guardian angel watching for me, you know, many, many times. So that moment of betrayal from him, I couldn't forgive him. Can I get like, talk about you can talk about anything okay. you want i wanted to kill him i wanted to kill because you, you grew up in bloomfield you don't rat your friends out you're done that's the worst thing you can do you deserve to die Snitch, so, snitches get stitches so long story short i'm waiting at his house and and this is another part of the rehab story but i'm waiting at his house and i'm waiting to get him and what i was going to do to him wasn't pretty i had a doctor involved i had mirrors up in the poconos involved and he was a pretty boy and like a dexter you know, situation I, it, well, yeah yeah all right so as he walks by me, I waited three hours for him to come by. As he walks by me, I can't move. I feel this weight on my shoulder. I can't move. I can't get him. He goes in the house. I'm like, what the f just happened? I believe it was a divine intervention. I mean, I think it was the man of my angels holding me down saying, don't do it, son. Don't do it, son. I have so many of those experiences that I can't tell you. That one was monumental. That was a game changer. Fast forward. He rats me out. I don't do anything to him. He had to live with that. So I go into the rehab. I met my wife. I met my wife at the bar. Um, drugs were really bad. Um, she didn't want any part. She was a Mensa student. She moved up from Tennessee. Brilliant, brilliant girl. Beautiful girl. And everybody at the bar, which, by the way, I was a regular at 15. And when I turned 18, they found out I had a big party. They kicked me out. <laughs> <laughs> so I wind up going back there. It's where we lived. It was, our, it was like cheers. She gets me. And I finally asked her out on it. Don't she want to know anybody? So I'm telling the guys, I, her brother said she likes to canoe. I say, Hey guys, I think I'm going to go canoeing this week. And I see her ears perk up. She goes, you canoe. I go, yeah, I canoe. So I take her out and, um, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. <laughs> I don't never been in a canoe before ever before. And so that was, she saved my life. I was out with the mailman four o'clock in the morning doing lines. Okay. And you meet the weirdest people and you become friends and, um, my landlord was a captain of the police force. And here I am outside with two half grams, just doing them to go to bed. 
my wife is upstairs and I promised her I would stop. She didn't know where I was, what I was doing. I go upstairs and she looks at me and goes, where were you? I said, I was out with the guys, honey. We're playing cards. What were you doing? Nothing. I swear to God, nothing. She goes, what were you doing? Guys, I looked her right in the eye and I said, I swear to God, honey, I wasn't doing anything. She goes, go look in the mirror. And there it was all over my face. So when you say what broke me, what got me into rehab, that got me into rehab. I'm a lot of things, but I'm not a liar. And to look somebody in the eye and lie broke me. Especially someone you love. And I came home that next day crying. I'm sorry. I can't tell you how sorry. And, and I mean, we had no money. I was in debt. I, it, it was bad. I mean, it was really bad. And when, when I came back the next day, I said, look, I'm sorry. I said, I don't know why I, I lied to you. I don't know what happened, but I think I need help. She opened a coffee table drawer. She pulls out a phone number. She goes, I waited three years for you to say that. And I went into rehab and I never looked back. How hard is it though for, for somebody in, in the, the throes of that addiction to ask for help? Like it's very difficult. It's, it, it, it's a humble talk about checking your ego. You know, you ask men aren't supposed to ask for help. You know, we don't ask for help for you to break and ask for help. It had to be one of the lowest points in your life. It was, um, I was the biggest shit that was on this planet because I believe in loyalty. I believe in truth. I believe in all of that stuff. And I violated everything I believed in. And even though I didn't know it, it was a core feeling that, you know, it wasn't how much money I lost. I made money. It wasn't who I hurt. Eh, I fixed it. It wasn't. But getting into the rehab was a whole other realm. I thought I was going to the country club and I bring my weights. I bring my stuff and man, did they humble me. And I remember this big black guy he had, he was about six, five. It was a boxer. He had three teeth missing and I had all the answers. You know, I, I had all the answers. You, you know, I had silver, I had positive thinking. I had all the answers and he stands up, he goes, mofo, why don't you take the cotton out your ears and put it in your mouth, put it in my mouth. And we fight. But he was right. Shut up and listen. So then they go into telling your deepest, deepest, darkest um, emotion, feeling, something. And it was about me going to kill that kid and what I was going to do. I went into detail of what I was going to do to him. But I've never told a soul that before. And he stands up. I'm crying. Like, I'm really crying because you're emotionally a wreck. Everything you thought you knew about yourself is gone. You start from scratch. You don't know what's going on. He comes up, he goes, forgive him. Forgive him? We start fighting again. I get sent to my room. But that's the moment I coined a phrase, nobody will live rent-free in my head again. And I forgave him, and I let it go. And I said, what it must feel like for him to live with that for the rest of his life, that he's got to hang on to that. Forgiveness, that was the next biggest part of my life that changed me. And to this day, 40 years later, on my phone, I get a phone call from him. And I would love to play it for you sometime, but he was <clears throat> adamant about blaming me for what happened. And so finally, I just told him, it's going to work like this. You're going to speak. When you're done, I'm going to speak. And we go into saying, I said, Kenny, I forgave you a long time ago. I let it go. I have a great life. And I thank you because it was because of you that I'm here now. So you suffered enough. Let it go. Live your life. He started crying, apologizing. I'm sorry. I, I, I didn't know what I would. Next best lesson is to free somebody, forgive them and say it. And that was the last big amends that had to be made in my life. So I feel free, cleansed. 
So there's some things and there's some people in my life that I forgive. Like I forgive the guy who shot at me. I totally forgive him. If, if I saw him, I, I, I harbor no ill will. There's a difference, but there's other people I, I have a hard time and I've struggled with this. I've struggled with uh, forgiving certain people who have wronged me. And I was talking about this with somebody the other day. And I think the big thing is, is like when, you're, when your buddy Kenny ratted you out, he wasn't ratting you out. He was saving himself. So it wasn't, That's you, right. you were the person in the way. Yeah. yeah. You were in a way of him saving himself. Exactly. The guy who shot at me wasn't shooting at Kevin Donaldson. He was shooting at a cop. The other people who have wronged me, and I'm talking about some really bad shit, um, they were doing it to Kevin Donaldson. So that's my that's my struggle in in that, and I'm I'm working on myself daily in order to find that in my heart to forgive, and I'm I'm having a really really difficult time with it. So the only reason I say that is just to to separate. I think it's much harder when the offense is against you personally. Like if somebody hurt Paul Martino, just because they don't like they don't like you or your family. Yeah. So versus some, you were just in the way of their issue. You know, it, it, for me, I, I find it easy to forgive. I do. It, it 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 actually became easy for me because, like a contractor screwing up your driveway. <laughs> Even that, you know. But here's here's what sets me apart from most people's thinking. Everybody has a journey. Everybody. And who am I to judge their journey? And all the things that they create is part of what I call their karmic lessons to learn. So he's put in my life to fuck with me. And I'm put in his life to maybe let him fuck with me. Or if something happens, it's 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 all part of the big plan. So if I fight all of those things, my key now is like, all right, here's one of the mantras I have. Everybody should have a mantra because it reels you in. And and mine is, I have many teachers that bring gifts, sometimes in disguise, but my trust in the universe gives me the patience to let them unfold. I don't know why you wronged me yet. I will. But because I look at it as a teacher bringing me a gift, I'm not so angry at you. I have something to learn. You did that for a reason. What's the reason? Is it my ego? Is it be so when I put my ego in check, I, I told my kids a long time ago, I'm an older dad. And I told him, I said, boys, if dad checks out, I had a good life and I have no regrets. I love everything about what happened to me, the good, the bad, and the ugly, because it's who I am. And I like me. I said, but we come from a divine place to have an earthly experience. God put you here as a baby to learn your lessons. You touch the fire, you get burned. You touch the knife, you get cut. I said, so I learned over the years now out of the rehab with the ego that that guy sits on your shoulder and he talks to your head. And when he talks to your head, he talks to your ego. You make mistakes. But the angel, she sits on your right shoulder. She talks to your heart because when it feels right, it is right. There's where you learn your lessons. So it's the same thing that happened, but which side is talking? So when I run it from my heart, I learn my lessons. And I believe in this world, when you learn all your lessons, you go home. And home is for me heaven. So when the kids came to me and said, but dad, in the Catholic religion, you know, God says you burn in hell for an eternity for a sin. I go, no, no, no. God loves you. I said, what God does to you is he puts you back here. We're in hell. This is hell. And if you don't get it right, you come back from eternity. So when people wrong me, I try to find, make it right. Well, hell is just the absence of absence of God. But you, you've had this. So you, you've been sober now 35 35 years. I've gone on 36 years. Has there ever been some temptation falling your way? Somebody trying to draw you back? Because I, I, I've had those experiences and I, I sort of get angry at them. 
Because in my opinion, when people try to make you fall, it's because they're feeling bad about themselves and they want to drag they're trying you to down. bring you down a notch. Yeah. Well, the biggest thing for me is my son, you know, was having problems with some high school friends and all this other stuff. And I said, you don't worry when you go to college to be your best friends. He goes, but dad, where are yours? I said, I'm a little bit different. I had to avoid all of those friends because I had people, places, and things that I associated with that. And I had to cut it loose. So for me, I let all those things go because I had to focus on this, on the new life. I didn't look at the old life. When you have people in your life that you love, and it gets easier for me, the pain gets easier. It doesn't stay so long. It doesn't sting so bad because I take it as my lesson. What am I going to get out of this? I don't fight it. I embrace it. You need pain. You need pain for change. How long do you want to stay there? My home group in Garfield, I'll never forget it. AA was a big part of my life up to a point. The problem was every home group I went to, it was the same shit. And life is about change. So when I go to the home group and I told them, I said, guys, I just want to let you know that this is going to be my last meeting, but I felt the need to tell you why. Mary, your husband, every week, the same shit. And Johnny, your job. You don't like it. You cry. You this. And Joe, it's always the same. I said, but for me, I want change. I want to get out of that. I want more. Don't drink and go to meetings is not enough for me. It's a great beginning thing. All right. The pain started there, but they stayed there. They didn't change. So without that change, you're destined to continue to do the same. Kind of like wallowing in your own misery. Yes, but they don't see it. And you also get used to living in chaos. You do. Yeah. And that's, that's a bad place to be when you, you know, who was it? Stephanie Samuels who said, you know, chaos, it's people just, they, they li- can't live without it. They expect it. They seek it. And I, I go back to what I said earlier. The thoughts create the words, the words create the actions, the actions become your habit and those habits become your character. So this is my character. So you said, do I get tempted? No, I don't. It's in every cell of my body. I own it. It's not in my head. It's in my aura. It's in everything. And I use a litmus test, cigars, okay? I quit smoking cigarettes was harder than any drug I ever did. That was terrible. So that's 30, 34 years. So I used a litmus test. I go golfing and I had a cigar. I'm smoking eight cigars a day. <laughs> All right. They're, they're $12 nobody, a cigar. Nobody chain smokes cigars. Nobody chain smokes, but that was me. So I said, you know what? If I could smoke one cigar, maybe I could have one drink. And guess what happened? I have not been able to do that. So until I could smoke one cigar, I don't miss it. I don't need it. I, I, I love my life. I mean, I, I've come so far. And, and the thing is that with this, you, you have a lifetime of learning and then you die. There's so much in between that you could give back, you know? So before I die, I want to give back, you know, it's just, what's your method of giving back? You said meetings, you know, you had to change that, but there's, I know there's ways that you give back. That's how I met you. Yeah. It was that simple. I just told the truth. We talked about something nice house. Yeah. You know, I was lucky, blah, 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 you know, and you know, I don't even remember how it happened, but I feel so freely to tell people that I'm sober and clean for so long because there's so few of us that have that kind of sobriety. And it just, sometimes it resonates with people and it it always strikes up a conversation. I could tell you that much, you know, and, and it just did my office atmosphere. And with, I don't want to know you to talk about the weather. That's not my game. I want to know Kevin. I want to know Mike. I want to know what makes you tick. So by doing that, I do it on a one-on-one basis. I always say, do something nice and try not to get caught. You do it because it makes you feel good. 
I'm not ashamed of anything that happened. I'm not embarrassed about it. I have no anonymity because you never know who that one person is. So many times, can you help my son? Can you help my brother? This was a big step for me because I was really nervous about it. I, I've always wanted to do it, but I just didn't have the confidence. And and now you're on the show and you realize it is no big deal. <laughs> no, no, it's really not. You know, and, and I hope I didn't, you know, bore anybody, but this is a, it's a great feeling to be here to, uh, to do that. And you guys, by the way, are great too. I, I love what you do and any support I could give you. I'm always, I'm always be there. I appreciate it. We're here. We're here to help people. Like you said, you do something not to be watched. You know, you do it because of your heart. We don't do this to say, hey, look what we're doing. You know, we I, do it because it's helping people. Yeah, I just want to let people know that, you know, whatever you're in, it's a temporary thing if you choose that. If you want to be there, you'll stay there. Um, life could be scary, but it doesn't have to be. There's nothing I'm afraid of. I don't even mind checking out. I've made peace with that because I want to go home. For me, it's about pictures, okay? Is there a heaven? I have no idea, but I believe it. Why? Because it sucks not to. Yeah, exactly. And what What's I say for me is true for me. So this is a bottle of water because we said it was. We believe that. It's no different with your feelings, with your life, with whatever you're going through. Everything could be temporary. Everything to me, like teachers bring gifts, sometimes in disguise. All right. I made these things for myself, the affirmations. I made them for my kids so they have something to hold on to. They have something to look forward to. So I know when I check out, I'm in a better place. Let me come back and be that angel that holds that kid down from doing something wrong. Let me be that guy. Well, what you went through, there's a purpose for it. We've, we've spoken about this very freely in this episode. You know, everything that's happened to you has a purpose. There was a reason why you stole the car and you hit the fire hydrant and why you lifted Fat Eddie off the ground. There was a reason for all of that stuff. And this is the reason. I mean, this is, it's pretty clear. Your life has purpose and it just took you 60 some odd years to get to get here <laughs> yes but you you had a great college education if you think about it you I know had, second I, to none i i had a great life education yeah. second to none you know i mean i lost all my scholarships i wound up at a little division three school up in bumfuck wherever it was pennsylvania you know but i graduated in three and a half years by the way 21 credits a semester. I was voted most likely to go to jail. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> you know, we just got done with our reunion. And, and what I wanted to say about that was, I, even though those kids did that to me, I knew that feeling. I always protected the underdog. I always watched out for those who didn't have. I was always a friend. And when I had my 45th reunion, did I say that out loud? My 45th <laughs> reunion. Everybody there came up and Paul, you know, you were always a great guy, even though you were a football player, you this and that, you were always, that meant more to me than anything. And, and, and because I was a good person, I just did bad things. Uh, I think know? maybe it's because you went through it and you didn't want to see anybody else go through that. Pretty much, pretty much. I'm still like that. Yeah. I, I'm a very big anti-bullier. I always help the underdog and it, actually I help anybody now, anybody that needs it. Just, it just, it builds you, you know, it just makes you feel good. So all the pain and suffering is a message. It's just a message. You don't have to stay there. You just, there's, there's help there. You know, we're not unique. You're not the only one. I wasn't the only one, but I'm on a journey. And when you get on that journey and keep an open mind and don't just think I have to do this, let it come to you. That giant spider web net I have out there. They say, Paul, you're very lucky. I said, no, luck is preparation for opportunity. I've seen it in my mind's eye already. I live it in my mind first, because if you could manifest it there, it'll manifest in reality. If you, if you put your mind to work at it, 
then, you know, like you said, the, the mind is, the mind is a great thing. And you just you know, have you to put learn your mind to something, you're going to be able to accomplish You can, it. you just have to learn to use it, you know, and they don't train you that in school. They train you book smarts. You know, I got street smart and then I got life smart, you know, but, I'm, Think about this sober life that you're living. I mean, just just look at the step up on top of the stadium. We just talked about on Instagram Live, stepping, seeing seeing the battlefield from the hill, like the generals in the Civil War. You know, they always stood up on the hill. You were on drugs, drunk, broke. That's when you're a ground soldier. D- yeah, disappointing your disappointing your wife, lying to your wife. You couldn't see what you're going through. You're so far removed. You see the whole battlefield now, and you're like, and now you're successful. And you have a great family and you got a beautiful, and you got, you're one, you're a wonderful human being. You have a way of talking to people that engages them and makes them want to listen to you. All of that was, you're just working your way up through the ranks. That's all you're doing. And now all of a sudden you have this, this voice. And like I said, when, when you talk, I'm like, I'm just sitting here. listening. I got to remember we're still doing a show. So <laughs> it's funny. I, I think listen to him talk. He encapsulates what our whole show is all about. I want to go start a company. <clears throat> I'm just telling you, I just want to go start it. Cause I'm, I'm thinking, you know, if I think it, I can do it. And you know, where it starts action. So all that stuff. Listen, I started with a shovel and a Chevy. I had a 1968 Chevy Impala. I just sold my company from one of the buku bucks and I don't have to work. I have to do anything, but I never focused on the money. I never cared about the money. If you focus on the money, you could lose your business. But if you focus on your business, you'll always make money. And having a good team and mentoring your team, team with the company with the best team wins. It's not about me. I lost the ego. I brought them in. You attract like people. But I like what you said about the trenches because I forgot that. That was a long time ago. But I remember crying. I was in hotel rooms five days by myself. I didn't even come out. All I did was free base and free base. But because I meditated, I would be able to meditate and go right to a meeting, be perfectly straight. My eyes wouldn't even be bloodshot. My heart rate would calm right down. And then I'd go back to the hotel and do it all over again, crying. Why am I doing this? I remember those days. I can't wait to see now that you're retired and not, you got that one thing off your plate, you're retired. I think you're you're destined to do some, especially the way you speak, you're destined to do some really amazing things coming up. Uh, any plugs you want to throw on? Any, anybody you want to direct our audience to? No, I want to just, if my wife gets to see this, you and the boys, I turn my mug because I can write something on it. I love you guys. Your wife better watch this if she <laughs> yes, doesn't. Yes. I didn't know where to tell She's her. Right? I, yeah, no, but um, you know you what, know, guys? W- one thing, like I, I'm, a, I'm a quote guy, and, and I think this is, this is all about you. When you're running a race, you're always looking at the finish line. You don't stop to see the scenery around the race. You know, and that's what people do. They go through life running right for that finish line and they don't get to enjoy everything that's around them. But you we just, miss it. You just made me think of something and you're hundred percent correct. Cause I always, when I, I ran a New York Mar- city marathon in 2006, I wanted to see what I, I was capable of New York city marathon, biggest marathon in the world aside from Boston. And I'm, I ran the race as if I was going to win. I'm 240 pounds. I'm six foot, whatever. And I'm not winning this race. Come on. But I do remember running through the streets of New York three deep. I mean, I'll never have that opportunity ever again. And I ran it and I was blind. I had blinders on. All I could think about was just making it to the finish line. And when I got to the finish line, I was disappointed. I was disappointed. I missed the journey. Exactly. And that's, that's life in a, in a race. Because you're always looking at that finish line. You're not stopping to enjoy the things around The first thing I said, guys, I stopped and I saw that little girl's painting. Life is a journey, not a destination. 
And to stop and smell the roses is so important. And listen, I don't even care if life is that bad. There's something good. You know, you get out in nature, you get out, you, you break the cycle. It's, it's a cycle. We get stuck in these cycles and breaking out of them is, is sometimes hard. I listen, I'm open, I'm honest. You know, those things help break that cycle. I trust. I don't look over my shoulder waiting for people to screw me. I trust. And you know what happens? People don't screw me. You get what you ask for, you know? So I love your story that you have and um, people going through that. Change is good. You don't have to be there. Change is good. It's not scary. It's just practice. It's to, just practice every day. And patience. That's so you, you have to develop. I know Mike and I have developed an enormous amount of patience because you want everything now. Like that's the problem. Everybody wants everything now. They're not willing to work for it. They're not willing to put in the pain and the suffering in order to do it. So I want everybody to get a pen and paper and remember this mantra. I have many teachers that bring gifts sometimes in disguise, but my trust in the universe gives me the patience to let them unfold. Okay. It's important. Remember it and say it every day because it's the truth. So when bad things are happening, there's a reason why. And when you look at your angel and your devil and see who's talking, is it my ego or is it my heart? Follow your heart because it'll always lead you to learn your lesson. And when you learn all your lessons in this world, you go home. I believe that. So we're coming to the end of this thing here. And it's been like this. This is going to be a tough episode to go through because there's so much that's coming out of your mouth that I'm going to be grabbing for. I'm going to be sitting in front of the computer for a long time. But uh, I believe that you've lived a life of lessons because suffering, that's what it teaches you. It teaches you lessons. What do you think your suffering has taught you? That's a really good question, Kevin. And, and honestly, all that suffering, um, I needed to have all of it to embrace, to move on. Like, I, I don't begrudge it. Yes, it was painful at the time. But looking back, I say, thank you. Thank you for giving me that. And I don't ever want to go back. You remember tomorrow. That's awesome. It's all those dents that you have from back in the day. You still have the dents. But you have the dents, but you, you know. You can you, throw a coat of paint over I, them and they I, look a little better. I accept all those dents. I do. Wear I them like a badge it. of honor. You yeah. earned them. Yeah. You earned them. And that's going to do it for this episode of the Suffering Podcast, The Suffering is Success with Paul Martino. And let's think about all the stuff that we learned. God, I don't want to even go with that one first, Paul. Don't pants Paul. That's the first thing I learned. <laughs> big, big egos make for a big fall. I will find and live my purpose. Don't allow somebody to live rent-free in your head. Luck is preparation for opportunity, but most importantly, thoughts, words, actions create who you are. Paul, I can't thank you enough for coming in. This has been amazing. It and really wonderful. has. It was fantastic. Uh, I love I mean, you guys. That was great. I and love what you do. And you're always family here. You're always welcome. And anything that we can do for you, let's do it. Let's I appreciate it. it. We'll have them at our year-end party, too. Absolutely. <clears throat> at uh, Mickey's Pub in Lyndhurst. <laughs> That's going to do it for this episode of the Suffering Podcast. Uh, don't forget, go to popple.com, put in the code TSP20 for your digital business card. Find us on all social media. That's Clapper, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn. OnlyFans. OnlyFans. Find Mike at Mike underscore Flays. Follow me at Real Kevin Donaldson. And of course, follow the Suffering Podcast. And we're going to see you on the next episode.